Hi there, welcome to the Causeway Coast Vineyard podcast. We are a church who are passionate about seeing the transformation of individuals and institutions in our city through the generations to see all things new in our community. We hope you enjoy this message. My job today uh, is to talk to you about something that we have been journeying for the past couple of months, but in the past number of weeks, we've been uh, looking at this phrase, everyone, every day, everywhere. And my job today is to talk about the everywhere part of that. And ultimately, what I'm going to say today is if you are a follower of Jesus, whether you're in the room or watching online, that our job is to partner with God in the everywhere. Now, in one sense, it's the simplest truth to teach, but it's the hardest truth to live out. So the key to this message today actually isn't going to be our knowledge, it's going to be our awareness. So before I jump in, can I invite you to close your eyes? Because we're going to need the Holy Spirit for this one. And just as we jump into this. I want us just to be asking two questions of God right now. And if you're someone in the room who doesn't follow Jesus, you get to ask him these questions too. And that's this, God, where are you at work here? Where are you at work here? And the second question, and what are you saying in this place? Where are you at work, God? And what are you saying? Let's just take just even 10 seconds in the silence. Amen. (laughs) So why is the everywhere important? when it comes to kingdom advancement. Why is it important? I want to do this today um, through an equation. Now, I think partly this is because our son is in transfer test craziness, uh, and I've had to like Google Maths stuff that I've forgotten from from years ago. And so I want to use this equation. And now here's the the thing that I want to say up front to those of you in the room who are logic and you love maths and you love uh, all the sciences. Here's the thing, the kingdom of God isn't actually an equation that we can work out. It's not a process to be completed. It's not a logical thing that we can put in place to get to. It's a relationship that we live out. It's an awareness and a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. But I want to look at it through three parts this morning that I think when we begin to do these things together in relationship, we begin to see the kingdom, the dynamic rule and reign of God advance. And if that term, the kingdom of God, just feels new to you, and I don't have time to go over all of that today, but I really would encourage you to watch past messages that we have on this to to fill in some of the background in this. And the first part of this equation is actually a really obvious part of this equation, and it's God, right? It's God, because you can't have a kingdom of God without the king, right? It just doesn't work. You, You have to have God in the midst of this, or else it just doesn't work. There's no other way that we do that. So, so who is God? What, what, is, what is God in all of this? Well, people cleverer than I uh, describe God in three ways, and they're going to pop up on the screen, that God is omnipotent, right? So if you want to use fancy words this week so you can look cool in front of all your friends, you can use the, the fancy side of it, and if you're normal, uh, you can use the other words 
stories, but the, what we hear is that God is omnipotent, that he is all-powerful, right? There's, there's, he doesn't need anything else when it comes to power. He has all the power. Omni in the Latin means all. But we also hear that he is omniscient, right? That he is all-knowing. He is all-knowledge. He is everything, right? There's nothing that he has to learn. And then the most important part for what we want to look at today is that he is omnipresent, that he is in all places at all times. And that might seem like just such an easy thing to think, but I, I don't know how much we've ever considered that truth of him being omnipresent. The fact that, that God could be as present in the North Coast as he is in Nepal right now. The fact that God is just as present in McGilligan as he is in Mongolia. And not just that, the fact that he is just as present in the past, the present, and the future at the same time. Right? Your brain just starts to explode when we begin to really put all that together. In fact, as human beings, we just can't understand all of that. But God literally is everywhere. He is present everywhere. And by present, what I mean is not a human kind of present, right? We all know that as human beings that we can be present physically but not be present emotionally or spiritually, right? I've even heard that in church services, some people look at their phones. Can you believe that? No. I see people getting elbowed um, left, right, and center. But as a human being, it's possible that I could physically be somewhere, but I'm not really tuning in. It's possible that I could appear somewhere, but, but actually that, that I'm just not there spiritually. I'm not really thinking about anything else. But with God, that's not the case. Like God is not with us in this room or in the homes of whoever's watching this morning. He's not just kind of there, but looking somewhere else, right? God hasn't shown up to the vineyard service this morning, but deep down he's thinking the Baptist stuff. I'm actually listening to that. Like they use the Bible, like it'll be great. We'll go down there. We use the Bible here. I see some of you getting shocked. We love the Bible. It was meant to be a joke. didn't work. So, but when God is present in a place and he is present everywhere, he is fully present. He is fully there. He is fully aware and he is fully watching. He is fully present, right? As we look through the Bible, we, we see time and time again the, the words of the scriptures talking about his presence. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a prophet and God would speak through him and this is what God says, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth? declares the Lord. In the book of Proverbs, we read that the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. He keeps watching the wicked and the good. In the Psalms, we read this, where can I go from your spirit? This is a guy called David writing this. Where can I flee from your presence, God? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise in the rings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. There is literally nowhere that we can go that God isn't. He is everywhere, right? We, we can't have kingdom advancement without the king, right? It, it might be nice and it might be kind, but it can't be the kingdom because the king is always present where the kingdom comes. So part one of that equation, and, and again, I, I say we wouldn't take long, and this one is God. He's at the start of the equation. Now, part two is something that we need to take a little longer to understand, and that's God plus place plus blank 
equals kingdom advancement. The idea of place when it comes to God is so important. So even though God is everywhere at all times and in all places, he created the earth, he created the universe, and he created a place that he could meet with his people. Okay, so, and goodness, if you've grown up in Northern Ireland and the North Coast, this idea that there's a place where you go to meet with God would make sense, right? You can't, like, go down any street in Northern Ireland without finding a church or a chapel or some kind of meeting. We, we've got so many um, of those kind of things. So this idea of a place that we would meet with God is, is normal for most of us, and it's, we're not the first generation of people to ever uh, see that, right? Right the way throughout history, that's been the case. Right the way through the Bible, the idea of place and space has been important when it comes to God. In fact, I've created some lovely pictures to show you. Um, now, this isn't the fullness of all the places in the Bible by any ways and means, but I just want to show you throughout the Scriptures just how important place was, right? So at the beginning, we've got the Garden of Eden. It was a place, a garden that God would meet with his people. We see numerous mountains throughout scriptures where God would meet with his people, okay? You could have uh, Moses on Mount Sinai where he received the Ten Commandments. You could have Abraham where he met with God uh, and God uh, showed him that he would be the sacrifice for Abraham. Uh, we've got spaces like the desert, the wilderness, okay? When the children of Israel come out of a place called Egypt, God would meet with them in the middle of this wilderness and then he would lead them to the promised land, okay? The promised land was bigger than that, but it was there. And so there's a space, a place that he brought them into. And within those spaces and places, there were cities, there were towns, villages that were built, places like Jerusalem that we hear about in the scriptures that God would meet with his people. And then there were buildings within those places like the temple where God would meet with his people. And these places, these spaces were hugely important. They became sacred spaces, sacred places, holy ground. And again, at times in Scripture, we talk about when people would walk into those spaces or places that, that something would change, that actually there was a reverence, there was a respect, there was a, there was a way to approach those kind of places. It's, I guess it's a little like if you've ever been maybe in one of those big European cathedrals somewhere, and if you've ever had the opportunity to walk into one of those kind of spaces when it's really quiet and there's not a lot of people about, like you feel a weight. It's like you want to walk quieter, like you want to walk straighter, like there's some sort of sense in that place that I'm meeting with God in this place. And, and that's the kind of thing that happened. Even other faiths, other religions understand the, the idea of place and of space, whether it's the Ganges or Mecca, or if we read throughout scriptures, different shrines and places that people would meet with their gods, this idea of place or space was really important. And so when this guy, Jesus, came along, it was really interesting to watch how he interacted with space and with place. It was interesting for the Jews at that time to watch Jesus and what he did. So one of the places uh, that Jesus would, uh, would go is the temple, and the temple became a really important place for the Jews. It was originally built in Jerusalem by Solomon, and then through different wars and different things that happened, it was rebuilt again. And, and any Jew would go to the temple. For those who lived far away, who had enough money, that would be a pilgrimage that they would make, sometimes once a year, sometimes more than that. But the, the idea was that the temple was the place where heaven and earth met. 
that this was the place where God was encountering people. And so that would be the kind of place that someone like Jesus, who people were questioning whether he was the Son of God, whether he was the Messiah or not, that would be the kind of place that he would show up. And what we see throughout the Scriptures is that Jesus did show up in the temple. And in a book called Matthew, this guy called Matthew writes this. He says, the blind and the lame came to him, Jesus, at the temple, and he healed them. And again in John, it says it wasn't until halfway through this festival that Jesus did go to the temple courts and began to teach. So this would fit with the idea that this place was special and that this person was special, that they would do that. We also hear about Jesus going up mountains. Okay, he, he went up mountains. The, the whole uh, series that when we started this back in September, we talked about a part called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, when blessed are the poor in spirit. And we went through that verse together. Well, that was on a mountain. Again, that would fit for the Jewish people because mountains were sacred places. They were spaces that they would do. That We see it later on um, in the book of Matthew um, in the Transfiguration, right? There was this incredible moment in the story of Jesus where he's um, with Moses and Elijah and it's up on on a mountain. And so Jesus would, would interact with these places and that worked with the Jewish understanding of sacred space, of holy ground, of places where people encountered God. However, Jesus also said some really strange stuff that didn't fit with their understanding of this idea of holy ground or sacred spaces or places. There were some times and some things that he said that would have messed with their understanding. In fact, if, uh, maybe, you, maybe even if you haven't read the Bible before, you'll probably be aware of this point where Jesus turns up in the temple courts and he begins to turn over the tables and he begins to throw out the moneylenders. And it's kind of like it's the verse we all use to justify any time we get angry, right? When someone cheats in a board game and we go nuts, and we're like, well, Jesus did right? That's the one that we use. Well, just after that moment, the people are horrified. Some of the, the legal experts and Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they were pretty horrified, and they kind of come to him, and they say, but what authority are you doing this? You can't just come into the temple, this holy place, this holy space, and do that. And then Jesus says this really strange thing in the book of John, and he says this, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. And they replied, but it's taken us 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? This was a weird thing to say. Why would Jesus talk about a sacred space like that? Why would he take a place that was so important and so special and talk about it in a way that actually seemed quite degrading? And this wasn't the only time that he spoke about the temple like that or other parts or, or buildings or different things. And Jesus kind of, so people were trying to work out what on earth is he doing? And it wasn't even just that. It was the fact that Jesus saw the kingdom advance outside of the temple in the sacred spaces. And in fact, the places that he saw the kingdom advance sometimes more often were places that we would have described and the people of that time would have described as not sacred at all. In fact, evil, right? So when Jesus heals by the beggar's pool, where all the sick and the lame would be around, and people would have looked at that place and say, well, they're the, the worst of the sinners, which is why God's inflicted them with such sickness. But Jesus is found there, and the kingdom comes. There was a, a place on, on what they called the other side of the lake called the Decapolis. It was the 10 cities, and there was such evil that went on there, and, and the Jews would never want to go there. They didn't want to be there. They believed it was one of the most evil places, and Jesus goes there, and he feeds 4,000 people and sees people healed there. And people are like, I don't know how this fits. Jesus would go and minister in Samaritan villages, and a Samaritan to a Jew was like, ah, oh, 
They didn't want any part of them either. And so Jesus would do this stuff in this place, and they would see the kingdom come. They would hear stories of miracles happening, but they couldn't put it all together. How could that happen in a place that's so evil and not sacred? And so people began to ask the question, what's going on? And I think we need to ask that question too. And the thing, the thing that ultimately is the key to this and the thing that we all need to remember is that actually there is no space and no place that is sacred in and of itself, right? It, if we look at those, those kind of places throughout Scripture, there was nothing about Mount Sinai or there was nothing about those things that made them any more special in and of themselves. They weren't the most beautiful mountain in the world necessarily. The wilderness wasn't the best desert in the world. It wasn't because of any of those things. It was because in those spaces, people had encountered God. That actually, Him being in that place is what made it sacred. The place itself only became sacred because of His presence. It's kind of like if, if there's kind of, you know, if you've, like, there's like a shop that you go to or a restaurant or uh, even like a certain place, and to everyone else, you're kind of like, why do you go there? But you're like, something happened in this place. Whether that's a spiritual thing, that's where I first prayed, or that's where I did it, or whether it was like, this is where I met my husband or my wife, or, or this is when I first did this, or whatever happened, you know, you, you get those kind of places, right? You're all thinking about that place right now. Like, I have a place like that. Um, it's called Taco Bell, right? If you've ever been to America, there's a takeaway called Taco Bell. And honestly, it's awful. Like, apologies if you work for Taco Bell. Um, but it's basically, but the first time I went to America, being a little boy from McGilligan, I think I had my first takeaway when I was 14, because um, no one made it that far out. Um, it was good. Anyway, it was good for my health. I've made up for it in the years uh, since. But I remember and I first tasted a Taco Bell, and it was Mexican food, or at least close. And I was like, oh, wow. And now every time I go to America, I bug Janet to take me to Taco Bell. Because, and the truth is, it's terrible. Afterwards, I regret it. I'm nearly sick, but I have to go there because it is sacred to me. The Lord hasn't met me, but it was a place that heaven and earth met. So, I don't know what that place is for you. But there's something about, let's get off Taco Bell. There's something about a space where we feel like we've met with God that makes it sacred, right? And we have to be really careful because we can end up worshiping the space or the place and we can kind of forget that actually it was the God in that place that was, was what made it sacred. And this is what's going on. And uh, because the, the people of that time, they, didn't, they, didn't, they hadn't really met Jesus. Like, like we can talk about how we know Jesus, those of us who are following. They didn't have the Holy Spirit present and available to all of them. So, so those kind of moments in history was what made a place sacred. But then Jesus came along and changed everything. Because Jesus wasn't just a good teacher or a good prophet or a healer. He was the Son of God. And what Jesus was doing when he was talking about the temple or when he was ministering in those other places, he was saying this. He's saying, hey, you no longer need a specific place to meet with God because I am the place and the space. Right? It, it no longer has to be an external thing. Not that it's wrong to meet in a building. Not that it's wrong to have a space that you can go back to. But you need to know the important thing is that I'm here. I am the space and the place. Jesus is the place where heaven and earth meet. He's the perfect representation of that. That's why he could minister in those places. That's why the kingdom would break out in non-sacred spaces. Why? Because Jesus was there. 
right? And just in case you think I'm lying to you, he went on to explain in the book of John, in John 2, verse 21, he says this, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. Jesus wasn't saying, tear down this building and I'll rebuild it in three days. He was saying, hey, the temple, I'm not talking about that. This is the temple I'm talking about. And you can take it down, but it's going to rise again in three days. And Jesus was trying to say to people, what do we mean it? This is changing. Paul, another one of the early leaders in the church, says it like this in Acts 17. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not live in temples built by human hands. Now, that, what he's not saying is that God doesn't go into buildings. He, what he's saying is he can't be contained in those buildings. He's limitless. He is limitless. So this leads us to, to something that's pretty obvious, because if God is everywhere, if he is omnipresent, and if Jesus is the best space and place where heaven and earth meet, and, and Jesus promises us in the Bible that those of us who walk with him, that he is with us wherever we go, then when we put all of that together, it would make common sense to say that there is not a place that we can go on this earth that is not sacred. Why? Because God's there, and because we're there. That actually there's everywhere that we go is a place where heaven and earth can meet. And that changes everything, right? Because the third part of this equation, and it's pretty obvious, it's God plus place plus us. It's plus us. <laughs> and now here's what's really, really, really important for us to catch in this. Kingdom advancement doesn't just happen because God's there. It doesn't just happen because there's a place. It happens when we are in that place and we become aware of his presence in that place and choose to partner with him. That's like a bracket part that we should put on the equation. So it's not even just about us turning up. So us turning up into this room, for those of us who are in the room today, we know that God's here, we know that this is a place, but if we turn up with no awareness or desire to partner with him, we will not see kingdom advancement. But if we show up willing to say, God, where are you? And what are you saying? That there's an opportunity for the kingdom to move. And that's exciting. God always partners with his kids in the kingdom. And the Bible tells us that if you're walking in relationship with God, that he calls you a child of God. In fact, every one of those sacred spaces, again, throughout Scripture, there's a person, right? So in Eden, it's Adam and Eve. In, on the mountains, it's Abraham, it's Isaac, it's Moses. In the wilderness, in the promised land, it's the children of Israel and the next generations. In the cities, it's the people, the priests, the Pharisees, in the temple. It's all of those people. Every time, what happened is that God was present in a place and the people there became aware of his presence and chose to partner with them. It's why the kingdom advanced in those moments. But here is where it gets really messy. Because sometimes when we hear a message like this and we hear that, that God needs us in that place to be aware, sometimes we can think that we're the ones with all the power. Sometimes we can start, well, it's my job. And people like me who get to lead churches say, well, I've got the most important word and I must share it because God can't move unless the man of God's in the house, right? And we can kind of get, get all the, the things mixed up. Here's what we need to know. God doesn't actually need us to see the kingdom come. He just loves to do it with us. He doesn't seem to do it any other way, right? He just loves 
to partner with his kids in order to see the kingdom advance. As we read throughout scripture, that's what he did. He just met with people, imperfect people like me and like you. And he wants to see the kingdom move through us. He is the source, we are the scent. He doesn't seem to have a plan B. I think we're catching this. I want you to think right now. Think about your house or your home that you live in or maybe think about your workplace or your local supermarket. And the chances are right now, unless there's someone in there, that those places are locked up and that the lights are off. We know the supermarkets are because we can only browse at 12.30. And I want you to think, so that, that place right now, and I want to ask three questions and I want you to respond on this. Here's the first question. Is God there? <laughs> Let me try it again. Is God there? Yeah, right? He, like, he's there. He's everywhere, right? He's omnipresent. He is everywhere, so he's there. Uh, two, is the place there? <laughs> we hope so, right? <laughs> or else that's an awkward thing. So we know that God's there. We know that the place is there. Uh, question three, and this is kind of harder to answer, is the kingdom advancing in that place right now? We don't know. Well, kind of, because God can do it but no, because he kind of waits for us to turn up, so it's not like he needs us, but he always uses us. So I guess the better question is, what is actually missing from that place right now in order to see kingdom advancement? Us, right? Us. Something happens when we show up in those places. Something happens, right? In the same way that a house becomes a home only when we're present. Something happens in the kingdom when we show up. Remember, we're not that important, but we are important. And here's the big challenge in this equation. There are two parts of this equation that are completely fixed. God is always God and he is always present. The place pretty much is always present, unless someone knocks it down and rebuilds it or something like that. But it's pretty much there. We are the only variable we're the only part that can let this equation down, not wanting to put guilt or anything on us, but we're the variable part. We, we are the, we're the part of that. Those of us who follow Jesus, we're the part that, that could actually be present but not present. Right? We, or we're the part that might not show up physically at all. We're the part that, that might turn up to place but not be aware of what he's doing and, or any of those kind of things. We are the only variable. And really simply, what I want to say today is what are we going to do with our part of the equation? What are we going to do with it? And I want to leave two questions today. And these two questions are what I want us to ask everywhere we go. And we'd ask these questions. God, where are you at work here? Or God, what are you saying in this place. Imagine today as we go for lunch, in our, whether it's homes or whether we're going out somewhere or if we're doing shopping, whatever it is we're doing today as we turn up to work or school or whatever it is looking like tomorrow. What if we got into that place and rather than just going straight to the stuff that we know what to do, we took a second and we paused and we said, where are you at work here, God? What are you saying in this place? And what if in those moments that we become aware and we do hear what he's doing and we do understand it, that we begin to partner with him in what he's doing, right? 
would not just begin to change stuff, would not just begin to see the kingdom come. You see, we love gathering in moments like this. For you guys at home, I know you're not gathered uh, in t- physically with us this morning. We love coming to things like Illuminate and uh, all of those conferences. Those are great moments. God does amazing things in the middle of it. So I'm never downplaying that. Those are spaces and places where we become aware of his presence too. But too often, I think that the kingdom is going to come in moments like that and transform the whole world. I'm I'm thinking it's going to come when we get enough, if we can pile enough people in together, and if we can sing loud enough, and if the worship can go on long enough, then surely the kingdom is going to come. And it might do, but throughout history, what we actually find is that the kingdom tends to come in the everywhere places, in the fields, and the schools, and tractors, and classrooms, and supermarkets, and kind of all of these random places that actually we don't think are that sacred. But it tends to be in those moments that someone caught it, that someone decided to turn up to those spaces every day and just go, where are you at work, God, and what are you saying? And they would speak to him and cry out to him, and God would begin to turn up and the kingdom would begin to advance. Well, folks, imagine if we truly caught this. Imagine if every person who's a part of this church and every church in this community actually showed up tomorrow morning or this afternoon answering those two questions and were willing to partner with God. This, this, king, this place, sorry, this community would transform very quickly. We're the variable. It's everyone, it's every day, and it's everywhere. So we're going to put up that equation again with two gaps in it. And what I want you to do just as we go in to to pray together and to minister together is I want you to fill in that gap in your head. The first bit's filled in for you. It does feel like a transfer test. But what place or space are we going to put in that second gap? Maybe it's a few places. Maybe it's your street, school. I don't know. And the third place is your name. Your name, just say it out. This is where I'm going to be. God, I know that you're here and I'm going to turn up in the classroom and it's going to be God plus the classroom plus Josephine is going to see kingdom advancement tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after. It's not our knowledge that's going to get this, guys. It's going to be our awareness. Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. For more information, resources, and opportunities, you can check us out at cosmicoastvineyard.com.